Here's another example from the book. Solve the system of equations x plus y plus z plus 5w equals 2, x minus y plus 7z minus 9w equals 30, 3x plus 2y plus 6z plus 8w equals 20, and 2x plus 5y minus 7z plus 31w equals negative 38. Now, when it just says solve, you have a choice. You can choose whether, you, whether or not you want to use AX equals B and try to find A inverse, or whether you want to use Gauss-Jordan row reduction. Now, assuming we don't have our calculators with us, we only have one choice. Can you see why we can't use the AX equals B choice? Just automatically, we know that if we don't have our calculators. Because if we set this up as A, the coefficient matrix, times X, which would be X, Y, Z, W column, equals 2, 30, 20, negative 38, we won't have A inverse. Nobody told us what the inverse of the coefficient matrix was. So without our calculators, this one, AX equals B, is not a choice. Now, if you want, you can take your calculator and try it with that and see what you get. But I'm going to look at the solution using Gauss-Jordan row reduction first. And so if you'd like to pause and go as far as you can with this problem, then come back and see if you've done the same thing I have. Then when we get to the end, we'll have maybe something interesting to discuss. All right, so setting this up with the augmented matrix, 1, 1, 1, 5, 2, 1, negative 1, 7, negative 9, 30, 3, 2, 6, 8, 20, 2, 5, negative 7, 31, negative 38. And take a minute to make sure you wrote it down correctly because you don't want to waste all your energy on the wrong matrix. 1, 1, 1, 5, 2, 1, negative 1, 7, negative 9, 30, 3, 2, 6, 8, 20, 2, 5, negative 7, 31, negative 38. So this is our augmented matrix with the coefficients of x, y, z, w on the left, and then the answers on the right. And we want to get it down as far as we can with leading ones on the diagonals and zeros above and below them. If other special things happen beyond our control, then we'll deal with them. But the objective is to get the leading ones on the diagonal and the zeros above and below. So there's a nice way to start this. Right there, we already have the leading one, so we might as well get the zeros below it. And I'm smiling because very soon we're going to have a much faster way to do this. But until then, I'm just rewriting row one. Now, what do we want to do? We want to get a zero here, here, and here. If you'd like to pause and do that yourself, that's great. And I'm going to do the problem right now. So to get the second zero, Negative row 1 added to row 2. That's going to be our new row 2. So we have negative 1 plus positive 1 is 0. Negative 1 plus negative 1, negative 2. Negative 1 plus 7. Negative 1 plus 7 is 6. Negative 5 plus negative 9, negative 14. And negative 2 plus 30, 28. So there's our first 0. We want another 0 underneath. We have a 3, so we need negative 3 times row 1. Added to row 3. Put it into row 3. I'm not writing that last part. 
because I ran out of room, but it's, it's in the third row. So negative 3 plus positive 3 is 0 again. Negative 3 plus 2 is negative 1. Negative 3 plus 6 is 3. Negative 15 plus 8 is negative 7. And then negative 6 plus 20 14. Double check that one. Negative 3 plus 3 is 0. Negative 3 plus 2 is negative 1. Negative 3 plus 6 is 3. Negative 15 plus 8 is negative 7. And negative 6 plus 20 is 14. So then we want our final 0. We have a 2 here. We need a 0. So we say negative 2 times row 1 added to row 4. Negative 2 plus 2 is 0. Negative 2 plus 5 is 3. Negative 2 plus negative 7 is negative 9. Negative 10 plus 31 is a positive 21. And then negative 4 plus negative 38 is negative 42. So we've got our first column, 1, 0, 0, 0. Now if we look around, I don't see any 1s here, here, or here. So it's not like there's something obvious. But the next thing I look at is this negative 2, and I look across. Negative 2, 6, negative 14, 28. So why don't we go ahead and, and just go to the next column and make our leading one in the next column. So if you'd like to try that yourself and come back. To get the one there, I'm going to multiply the second row by negative a half. And I'm going to rewrite the first row, 1, 1, 1, 5, 2. And then I'll have half of 0 is still 0. Sorry, negative a half of negative 2 is 1. Negative a half of 6 is negative 3. Negative a half of negative 14 is positive 7. And negative a half of 28 is negative 14. So I have 0, 1, negative 3, 7, negative 14. Now at this point, now that I have this row with the leading 1, I could save some writing, and I could turn at least the bottom two rows to zeros below right here, the negative 1 and the 3. So I'm going to do that because we've been doing a lot of this. So the the more we can shorten it, the better. So I have this leading one. I want to multiply it by 1 and add it to row 3 to get 0 there. So all I have to do is just take row 2 plus row 3 and put it into row 3. So, But it's the new row 2, so that might be a little confusing. Row 2 plus row 3 still 0. Row 2 is 1 plus row 3 is negative 1. gives me 0 again. And then I have negative 3 plus positive 3 gives me another 0. And then I have 7 plus negative 7 gives me 0. And negative 14 plus positive 14. So I have a row of all zeros. Now I know I said that often those will be on the bottom, but part of that is because when we get something like this, we always put it on the bottom at the end. So I'll go ahead and leave it here for a minute, and then I'll see what happens to the fourth row. So the fourth row, I have a 3, and I want to get rid of it, so I need to take negative 3 times row 2 and add it to row 4. Negative 3 row 2 plus row 4, put it into row 4. So I'm going to take 0 plus 0 is 0. And then I have negative 3 times row 2. Negative 3 plus 3 is 0. Negative 3 times negative 3 is 9. 9 plus negative 9, another 0. Negative 3 times 21, 
Is that right? No, wrong one. Negative 3 times row 2. Negative 3 times 7 is negative 21. Plus row 4 is positive 21. So I've got another 0. Negative 3 times row 2 gives me negative 21 in this column. Plus a positive 21 gives me another 0. And then negative 3 times 14 is a negative positive. Negative 3 times negative 14. I'll say that again. Negative 3 times negative 14 is a positive 42. A positive 42 plus a negative 42 gives me another 0. So I, it turns out I don't have to move the third row down because the fourth row is also all zeros. So we're just going to leave these two alone. We actually have two rows that don't give us any new information. So at this point, all we do is focus on the top two rows. Just to make sure it's clear, I don't stop here and say no solution. I don't stop here and say inconsistent system. Every once in a while, students will think that that's what they get to say at this point when they get all these zeros. If these, either of these numbers right here was something other than 0, say 10 or 1 or negative 1, anything other than 0, then we'd have 0 equals something that isn't 0, which is not a true statement, and we would say inconsistent, no solution. But since we're really just getting 0x plus 0y plus 0z plus 0w equals 0, 0 equals 0 is true. So even though it doesn't tell us anything new, it isn't false. So we have to keep assuming that we have a solution so far. So now I want to look at the first two rows. I have a leading one here. I need to get a 0 up above it. So I will rewrite everything else underneath. doesn't really matter what order you go in. And you really don't need to rewrite these rows, but just in case, I don't want you to wonder where they went. They still technically are there. We have, I'm going to rewrite the second row, because what I'm trying to change is I'm trying to get a 0 above the leading one in the first row. So I want to take negative row 2 and add it to row 1. Negative row 2, add it to row 1. And so I have 0 plus 1 is still 1. That's what we want. Negative 1 plus 1 is 0. Now I have the opposite of negative 3, so I have positive 3 plus 1 is 4. Negative 7 plus 5 is negative 2. And then positive 14 plus 2 is 16. So I have the zeros above and below this leading one. I have the zeros below this leading one. Now, the thing that's unusual is this block of numbers right here. A lot of times people will think that they're not finished when they get this block of numbers. Because we don't have any ones below them, it's not like they're above a leading one and therefore need to be zeros. And there really isn't any more we can do here. This is the most reduced form we can get. And we're going to talk very soon about something called row-reduced echelon form. And that's what this matrix is in. It's got zeros above and below all the leading ones. And then everywhere else, there's nothing else I can do. So at this point, I'm ready to interpret this matrix. So I'm going to go from the bottom up. I really don't need to write this again. But just for consistency, I have 0 equals 0, 0 equals 0. At this point, I have 1y minus 3z plus 7w equals negative 14. 
And then on the top row, I have 1x plus 0y plus 4z minus 2w equals 16. So the only variables that corresponded to the leading ones are x and y. And the z and the w have other coefficients. Now, it's possible that the z and the w could have ones as coefficients, too. But if they're over here above these, these zeros, they don't represent leading ones. And so it's a different situation. So do you remember how we treated this when we have more than one variable in the row? This is the hardest part to do. At this point, we've done a lot of the Gauss-Jordan row reduction, so we're probably pretty comfortable with that. But then when you get to this and you have a lot of variables, do you remember what to do? Do you remember that the leading ones on the variables tell you solve for that variable? So I'm going to solve for x, and I get x equals negative 4z plus 2w plus 16. And then I'm also going to solve for y. y equals positive 3z minus 7w minus 14. So now I have an expression for y as a function of z and w and x as a function of z and w. And so if z and w were just numbers, it would be really easy. y equals some number and x equals some number. But what we have here is that thing that I've mentioned before. We have a dependent system. That's when we have something like a plane or a line. One variable depends on another. And so w and z could really be any real number they want to be, couldn't they? And then y would depend on those two. So if you picked values for z and w, any value you could pick. You could pick any value you wanted for z and w. But then y would be a function of them. y would be 3 times the z, and then minus 7 times the w, and then minus another 14 after that. And so y depends on z and w, but z and w are free to be whatever they want. And so we call them the independent variables in this case. And so when you solve for the variables with the leading ones, it becomes very clear what the independent variables are and what the dependent variables are. Independents are z and w. The dependents are x and y. In fact, I'll just draw a line from the word dependent to the x and y, because they depend on it, on z and w. So I need to either refer to z and w as themselves. Some books, as I've mentioned before, will just say w equals w and z equals z. It's kind of like saying they get to be whatever they want. Or in this book, we say w equals k, maybe, z equals maybe j, and then y equals three z's, so three j, minus seven w's, so seven k's, minus 14, and then x equals negative four z's, so negative four j's, plus two w's, so two k's, plus 16. So we have an expression for x, y, z, 
and W, and this is a dependent system. If you want to write it as an ordered quadruplet, quadruple, we have W is K, Z is J, Y is 3J minus 7K minus 14, and X is negative 4J plus 2K plus 16. Just like a point in space, except it's not really a point in space because these J's and K's are variables. And so we don't bother going into asking you to determine whether this represents a plane or a line. And we're actually in four variables anyway, so we're in a whole other dimension. Um, but it's if you reduce this down to just, say, three coordinates with three numbers, that's going back to our idea of a point in space. So each one of these is a representation of x, y, z, and w. And just a little side note, uh, something that I'm not sure it helps, but I like to think about. When we talk about the independent variables getting to be whatever they want, to me, I like to refer to the idea of maybe children, x, y, z, w, and k. And the Z and W kids are kind of like the bad kids that tend to influence the other kids. So, it, so whatever they do, then the other kids tend to, to follow. And so you have Z and W picking what they want to do, and then X and Y, what they do depends, what follows, depends on what the W and the Z are. The other reason I like that analogy is because right here, W equals whatever it wants to be, Z equals whatever it wants to be. And in other books, you might even see W equals W, Z equals Z. And it's kind of like they don't really care what anybody says. That's what they are, and that's it. Whereas X and Y are depending on Z and W.